You're listening to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm your host, three-time Olympian and motivational speaker, Leah Amico. On this show, we're going to dig deep to unlock what it actually takes to build a foundation for greatness. If you're an ambitious person with big vision, but you feel like fear is holding you back, get ready for some major breakthroughs. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Gold Standard Podcast. Today, my guest is the most powerful and feared hitter in the entire world in the sport of softball. I was very fortunate and blessed to not only be teammates um, with this athlete in two Olympics, but also to be very, very good friends. She is a three-time Olympian, two-time Olympic gold medalist. She's a three-time Pan American gold medalist. And like I said, the most powerful hitter, she holds the record for home runs. She had six home runs in the 2008 Olympics, batted 500 there and scored 12 times, as well as having 10 RBIs. This guest is the known around the world softball player, Crystal Bustos. Crystal, so happy to have you on today. Yes, it's awesome. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, let's just talk a little bit about baby Bustos. <laughs> when you were growing up, what was it like? How did you fall in love with the sport of softball? And did you, did you play other sports? Uh, I didn't play other sports. I actually, well, I played baseball. I was, play, I was playing baseball until I was about 10 years old. Um, it's crazy how it all happened. I was at my little brother's flag football practice and me and my dad were throwing the, the little Nerf football around um, while their practice was going on. And a lady by the name of Tracy Boldrop walked over to my father and I could hear her from super far away. Does, uh, does your daughter play softball? And I yelled, no, I play baseball. <laughs> and, uh, uh, my dad was like, no, she plays baseball. Well, she gave the whole spiel. You know, I am a coach for a ASA junior Olympic team, whatnot back then. And, uh, you know, would she be willing to come try out? So my dad was telling me, you know, we had that long conversation. Girls play softball as you get older. Boys play baseball. You can't go into high school and play baseball. Um, and it kind of kicked off from there. And I did a, a triple threat contest with the, with the Dodgers where girls threw softballs, boys threw baseballs. It was segregated like that. You, didn't, you weren't allowed to throw the baseball if you were a girl. So um, that was how it all started. That's so interesting. I was just in Maui this past weekend for a clinic. And uh, some of the junior high athletes, they play baseball and softball. And so I think for them too, especially when it comes down to like hitting, um, I think they, they, I said, what's the main difference? And they said, because they're on the Island, they don't face as good a pitching. So did that help? Would you say like that helped you as a hitter? I think so. I think one playing baseball first. And I always tell parents, if you got a daughter play baseball first, because boys develop so much quicker. I was just talking about this with, uh, with, uh, lovey boys develop so much quicker. Um, and they already have that competitive edge kind of built in. So as females, when we get put in with them, we learn that competitive edge. We learn how to compete about everything. We have to step our notch up even more because we're a little bit behind, right? So we're stepping up even more to even be at that level. Um, I really find that that helped me a lot in my development. 
Well, I, I think that is such a great idea. I've never, ever thought of it from that perspective about starting. And like you said, them developing a little bit earlier, kind of, especially physically, like you're saying, our, our teammate, Lovey Jung, who Crystal Bustos is talking about, um, she has a daughter and, uh, how old is she? Six or seven, I think. Oh gosh. I think she, yeah, she's playing in little league with the boys and has to move up and to the next level. And, and it's, it's one of those things that you got to look at now. The boys are stronger and bigger. Yeah. You know, and now is it time to move your daughter into softball? Yeah. You so know? she, yeah, she started her daughter out in baseball, but that's a great point. I never thought of that. Okay. So you play travel ball. Um, you know, talk to us a little bit because again, obviously, you know, you, uh, you have all these home runs and I don't know. I mean, I just loved just watching you in batting practice. <laughs> like I, I just laughed, like only in my dreams could I even hit it as far as crystal boost does, but I loved hitting in front of you so that if I got on, I mean, our chances to just jog around the bases, that's when I had my chances to jog. <laughs> um, yeah. but when did that kind of transition in terms of that power? Like, were you always that powerful? Um, would you, you know, say it had um, your training or just kind of growth, you know? Physically, I, I think a lot of it was was development as far as my uncle was a big softball, was a big baseball player. And he used to drive down and help me teach me how to pitch, teach me how to hit. He was an umpire. So he used to teach me the rules. He taught me how to take care of my equipment. You know, my dad and, you know, we played catch like people. I mean, we were outdoors kids, you know, so we didn't play video games or anything like that. We were always running around outside. We were always doing something and it was our families were involved, you know, like your dad would throw with you. You, you're, you weren't in a position where you needed to find somebody to do something with you. You know, my dad got me a pitch back. You know, my mom and dad got me a pitch back. And I don't know if a lot of people know what that is. You throw the ball to it, it throws it back at you. You can change the angle, it would throw ground balls. You could change the angle, it would throw you fly balls. Once you threw against it, it would spring off. Um, so there was things like that that we did. But, you know, we did a lot of yard work. We did a lot of things around the house. We were, we were not in the sense, given a whole lot, we had to work for it. And uh, I appreciate that in my family, you know, like, you know, doing that. I had cousins that played baseball at a high level and they would collect trophies. And for me, I would always go to their house and I'd be like, I want trophies like that. I want a lot of trophies like that. I want to win. I want to be like you. And we'd go watch my cousin Michael play. We'd go watch my cousin Eddie play. And, you know, they were really good baseball players. So I feel like, um, being competitive was just in the family. You know, it was like my dad always used to say, my mom always used to say, like, you can be anything you want to be, you know? And for me, I just wanted to play baseball. I just wanted to be on the Dodgers. Like that was my goal. <laughs> and they were like, girls don't play for Dodgers. I was like, I'm going to be the first one to play for the Dodgers. You know, like, I don't care what people say. Like, you know, that's just the thing that I, I just had that competitive edge and I always wanted to win. And um, people don't know that I was super skinny and super little and fast, you know, we'd be, I'd be running from people all the time, <laughs> just out in the street, just running around. Like we would play tag, like things that kids don't do no more, mm. you know? And I think a lot of that helped in my development as far as being able to do things. And I, and I hated shoes when I was younger. Like I had to be barefoot. <laughs> like I loved being barefoot because I would run faster because I could grip the ground better and I would just be gone. And like, that was just me. I would climb on top of the house. I would climb. I was just, very outdoors person. I love to be outside. Like in this, to this day, I still do. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about that. Just like the active part and always doing something and kind of like you're always learning and growing and it kind of just builds into the athleticism. And I think that's something um, you were talking about with that pitch back machine. That's what you called it. Or yeah. always, and, and when you say that, it makes me think of like, 
um, no matter what we do, we're going to become great if we get repetition, right? But you found ways to do it yourself because you might maybe didn't always have somebody. And I know for me yeah. as an Olympian, that's kind of where I had to learn what are things I can do on my own when nobody else is around to still get better, right? And then when you have people there, it's a lot easier, but how can I kind of, you know, keep building skills? And I think no matter what we're doing, it's that self-drive. Like to me, I just feel like listening to you. Like I think about that self-motivation and always wanting to learn and get better and be active, like figuring out how we are going to be better. Okay. So you got into high school. Okay. A lot of people talk about what college they went to. And I know that's part of your story. I don't know. I just love your story because it is different than, you know, a lot of other people, but yet it's a route that still ended up, you know, in the, the, the best in the world. Talk to me a little bit about kind of your route going to, um, a junior college. You went to Palm beach community college. Yeah. So I went to high school. I wasn't a very studious person. I have no problem telling people that, you know, school to me was very hard. Like it wasn't easy. You know, I had to study. I had to do a lot of things that, you know, most people get, I look at, I say most people, I feel like most people um, retain things a little easier or they can read a little better or they're, they enjoy school. Like for me, I really didn't enjoy school. Like it was a struggle. Um, So when I went to go visit colleges, I went to UCLA, you know, visit UCLA. I went to, um, a few other big D ones. And, and it just was very intimidating how big everything is and like how many people are there. And then you hold yourself accountable for going. And then it's like, yeah. Oh my gosh, this is just crazy. So like, I remember saying they don't take role. Like they don't even know if you're here. Like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is crazy. So, um, when I went to the junior college out in, in Palm beach, I was like, oh, this is, this is more my speed. This is smaller classrooms. You can talk to the teacher. The teacher knows you. Like, they know when you're there. They know when you're not. Like, they hold you accountable. You go to school. You're, the field was beautiful. I was 15 minutes from the beach. I mean, the condo we stayed in versus a dorm. I was like, okay, this is nice. I got my own room, four-bedroom condo, upstairs, downstairs, like, this is legit. I mean, I'm you're like, living uh, you're living better than all those D1 athletes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, okay, no dorm, no sharing room, no bunk beds. I was like, this is awesome. Uh, and I totally was like, this is it. I didn't have to think twice. I knew that was my spot. I knew. Yeah. And plus, Coach Joanne um, Ferrer played at, at Fullerton, was on the U.S. team. Um, she was very knowledgeable of the game. She made it very fun to learn from. And it was my first experience having a female coach. I mean, my dad was my coach growing up and Dale was my coach growing up and AD and a bunch of other guys that, that, that got me to where I'm at, my uncle Jesse. And my very first experience with a female coach, and she was awesome as a coach, like oh. really cared about us, really taught us the game at another level. And, um, you know, I don't take that away. And, and then we had Coach Gary. He was awesome. So, like, we had a great staff. It just was – it felt like home. You know, he really, they really made it feel like you were family there. So for me, yeah, I, it just worked out. I think whatever we're doing. And I, again, I think it can, that this carries over into every aspect of life. When you feel like you have people in your lives and your company and your organization on your team that are like family leaders, you know, like you said, coaches, managers, people that actually care. Like, I feel like everybody wins, right? I feel like it's just yeah. such a better environment and it pulls out the best. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about, um, at that point, like, did you, did you want to be an Olympian? What did that look like? Did you, you know, was that a goal of yours? And then, you know, how did that process happen? Yeah, it really wasn't a goal. You know, I had been looked at for the junior Olympic team when I was younger. Um, and I went to the trial for the junior, for the junior team and I didn't make it. 
it was, and I was told, uh, you know, a certain things and it, and it got very political kind of, and I didn't, I just had a bad taste in my mouth for it. Um, so what happened was my, I was done with the junior college. Um, I signed my letter of intent to come back and play D1 in front of my parents. Um, I wanted to go to uh, Northridge because it was closer to my family. I had been gone for two years and didn't, they didn't get to really see me play. So to me, more importantly, I just wanted to be where my family could be able to get to see me play. So I signed my letter of intent to go to Cal State Northridge. Um, they had a coach's change. Um, coach Ford ended up going to the JC and coaching at Mount Sac. And so now that's who I wanted to play for. And so now the coach was missing. And I was like, okay, now this isn't where I want to be now. Um, so what happened was the pro league happens and I'm like, okay, the pro league, this could work. And uh, I saw Sue Enquist became the new head coach at UCLA and Sharon Backus went to the pro league. And I was like, okay, I can play for Sharon from UCLA again. I can actually go there now. She was the one recruiting me. And uh, I was like, let's, let's see if this works, you know? And they contacted me, coach contacted me and the Carolina coaches contacted me. And I had a little bit of a bidding war. And I chose Florida <laughs> over North Carolina. And, you know, the rest was history. I started playing pro ball when I was 20 years old. Um, left college. I was the only one to leave college and leave my amateur status. And I did get phone calls at the time from USA Softball talking about, you know, you have an opportunity to come out. Um, and I was like, you know, I really want to play professionally. Like my whole life, all I ever wanted to do was be a professional athlete. Didn't really look at the Olympic world. So at at and that it, time, you couldn't play. I, you couldn't play pro and play on Team USA at that point. No, no. Okay. They had just opened it up for basketball to play professionally and play in the Olympics, and that was the okay. only sport at that time. Um, and they told me if you sign to go professional, you will lose all chances of playing Olympically. And I said. Yeah, and I'm willing to gamble with that because mm -hmm. they just opened it up for basketball and I hope they open it up for other sports. Um, but I'm going to play professionally. So I went and paid, I went and signed my uh, contract to go play with Orlando. Um, we won. Okay, how much, how, how much? Talk to us because most people don't know that this, this, so at that time it was called, what was it called? The WPSL? Ooh, I believe it was the WPF. Women's Pro um, Softball League, I think. Women's Professional yeah, WPSL. Softball League. It might yep. have been WPSL, then went to WPF. Yeah. Um, yes. And and so at that point, which granted, you probably made more than other people because the professional league is very, very small. And so this is for softball. I mean, again, you, you I mean, if it was like, you know, MLB or NBA, you think of that and like, yeah, it makes sense, right? But you were willing to give this up. The Gold Standard Podcast is brought to you by Major Media League. Major Media League is a revolutionary competitive app launching in June 2022. This app gives softball athletes a platform to showcase their skills by participating in challenges and having the chance to win prizes and scholarships. This is also an opportunity to promote your own talent. For all the athletes out there, it's free to join. So go sign up today at www.majormedialeague.com. The link is also in the show notes. You'll be notified when the Major Media League app launches. So get prepared for the unbelievable opportunity that lies ahead to grow your brand as an athlete. How much were you paid? But then like, tell us also kind of what was the average of actual everybody else? So I was paid... As a rookie, my rookie season, I was like, it was over $10,000. Okay. 
Okay. Um, not like 11. It was like 10 something. I don't remember. And but what about other players? Other players were getting paid $3,500 to $5,000 depending. Yeah, um, pitchers yeah. were making eight, you know, some of them were making 15 pitchers got paid a little more than everyone. Okay. Um, depending on their pitching was, um, but yeah, you know, and I thought that was the biggest thing in the world, you know, at the time <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm making 10 grand. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, the crazy part is my rookie season, I slide into third base and the bag does not come off. And I tore my ACL, my MCL, everything, my meniscus, all of it. And even crazier, Dr. Dot Richardson is in the stands um, watching the game. And she comes down and diagnosed my knee. And then Dr. Palumbo came in um, from the Orlando uh, hospital there that, that is a knee specialist. And he tested my knee that night and I was done. And, uh, I remember him saying that and I was like, done like how I'm not done. Like, you don't know me. Like if you can put it in a brace, put it in a brace, but I am going to play. Wow. And he's like, you have no stability. You can't stop forward. You can't go left or right. You have no stability. You can't play. I go, you can put me in a brace, put me in a brace, a big brace, one from my, my hip to my ankle, whatever, just brace it. That's all I need you to do. I'll make the rest of it work. Um, I played half the season with a brace from my hip to my ankle that stabilized my leg with very limited mobility. And since it was my right leg, I was still able to hit. So coach would put me in and I would hit as a DH. Wow. And I would hit, get myself to first. They would put a runner in. So I was good for two at-bats versus just one pinch hit. So I was good for two at-bats in a game. I'd make things happen. And then I'd go get pulled out of the game. And I did that for the rest of the half of the season. And I broke the home run record. I had 10 home runs that season <laughs> with half a leg. <laughs> you know? Only Bustos. Uh, only Bustos. We won the World Series in North Carolina and against the other team that wanted me. Um, we won there. And I remember it clear as day. It was September 8th is my birthday. And I celebrated but was not allowed to celebrate because I was turning 21 um, because on September 9th I had my surgery and my mom was there for that and then we caught a plane and came home and I rehabbed it day and night and was actually back quicker than anybody in a knee injury um, because that's when I met y'all so I was back I had surgery September I was back in December and that's when I went to tryouts in no January 1 with you guys. I went to tryouts and met wow. you guys at the park. And I had my leg, my knee brace. That is insane. I, don't, I never even knew that. This is one of the best parts about being able to interview some of my teammates. Like, I'm learning things about them. I didn't know you had all that. I just remember you coming in and us being excited about hearing about this just young, you know, athletic, strong shortstop. And that's what you did. And, and um, you know... You, you played different positions in different Olympic games. You end up going to three Olympic games, right? You joined us. I had already been in one Olympics and then, and you were three years younger than me. Um, and so you joined us in the 2000, you know, during that quad, um, you were shortstop then in the next Olympic round, you ended up, um, being moved to third base, right? So that's when, mm-hmm. when I played first base, I was moved from outfield to first base. So you and I both moved positions and, yeah. and then your last Olympics in 2008, you ended up being the designated player, right? The designated hitter pretty yeah. much and, and hitting. Yeah. 
So how important, I, I talk about that a lot of just the importance of being able to be versatile, no matter again, in any aspect of life, um, in business, in, you know, um, obviously in sports, how important it is, is it to be able to be versatile and to be willing to make that change and still give your very best and stop not looking back at where you think you want to be or should be. That's, that's the biggest key, Leah. It's not about being versatile at all, really. Cause I didn't know third base. I had to learn third base. Yeah. So a versatile player, I feel like already knows a bunch of places and can go okay. there and be versatile. Right. I wasn't versatile. I was a shortstop period. <laughs> you know, like, I'll be 100 with people, but growing up, um, my father instilled in me at a very young age, and my parents, my mom, you know, that it's a team sport, not yes. a, not a me sport. You know, it's a, we, not me. And it was, it was always said, you play wherever coach puts you, you, you give your team, whatever you can do at whatever position they put you at, whenever they put you at it. Um, and that's the mentality I had growing up through my whole life, my whole career. That's in everything I do. It's how can we get to where we need to be? It's not about me getting there. It's about us getting there as a group and being successful. So when coach came to me, it was a shock. I'm not going to lie. Right. I, I didn't get told I was being moved to third until I showed up to tryouts. <laughs> so I'm thinking me and Tasha going toe to toe for this spot. Yo, let's let's get it on. I was like the bell ding ding, you know, like in Rocky, <laughs> you know, you got, you got Bustos and you got Tosh going to go at it right now. Like, yes. I was excited. I was excited to finally go toe to toe with her at short. And then they go, Bustos, you're at third. I was like, huh? I'm at third? I don't know nothing about third. And then I remember coach saying, what do you mean you don't know nothing about third? I was like, I know between second and third. Don't pay attention to what Lisa does up here, what Brundage did up here. This ain't my spot. And I, and I remember getting too close in tryouts and everyone going, Bustos, back up, back up. You're too close. Well, I don't know where to be. And uh, so I didn't make the team that year. You know, I ended up making the second team that year and put back okay, wait. on the second team. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay, wait. We need to talk about this because you mentioned this as well. And I wanted to point that out. That first junior national team experience and you not making it. I mean, you go on to be the best hitter in the entire world. And yes, I remember that. So talk to me about that. Like, what can other people, what did you kind of learn or do during that time? Um, I mean, it didn't mean you were less than you were probably, you should have been on that team, could have been on that team. But in this sense, what could other people take away from what you learned through, through that time? So, you know, I get put in a position, I don't know it. And I'd see the writing on the wall. And I guess it's going to be hard for me to make it over anybody else because I'm not that third baseman. So I knew I, I gave it my best. I did the best I could. And I knew I was going to get put on a, a different team, even if I made the team. So for me, going back home, I, I, you know, back in the day, they put that paper on the wall. And then it was, then it was the, the text message or the, the email message everybody got of the team. So I remember getting the phone call as I'm driving home from Lisa. And she's like, so did you see? And I'm like, yeah, I saw it. She's like, are you going to play? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to play. I'll see you guys in Canada. That's the only time I'm going to play. And, you know, I'll be ready. And we did not did, want to play against you, Bustos. We did not want to be opposite teams from you. So 
on the other end, I was like, okay, I get it. Maybe I went in a little bit heavier than I should have went, right? I didn't train as hard leading up into it. I took things for granted in the sense that I knew I was an Olympian already and I didn't do what I needed to do maybe on my end. Maybe that's what they saw. I came in a little heavier. I wasn't as agile as I should have been. So I went home and I did two a days for three weeks before wow. I went to Canada Cup and I dropped weight. And I came in ready to rock and roll with a pro- to prove that I belong where I belong. And, that's awesome. Um, you know, there was there's that's what I tell people. There's two different ways to look at things. You can look at it and quit and say, "Oh, woe's me," and be mad that somebody took something from me. But or you can step up to the challenge if you get an opportunity. And I had an opportunity. So being put on the second team, you, it was an opportunity for me. I didn't get kicked off completely. I wasn't never given a chance. I was given a chance by the getting to the second team. Yeah. So I went to Canada. I did very well. I batted like eight something there. And I hit a home <laughs> run that they still talk about to this day that went over the trees. Um, won the home run derby there. And that was the same year that I think it was Treepy won the running contest there. Oh, yes. And so we did very well. Um, we beat y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, we did so good. Pe- so people understand USA softball had um, basically two teams. So they had the national team and then in a sense like this, this team with all these players that very easily could be on the national team. And, you know, we're all in the process still going forward. And so that team beat the main national team that would go on to compete. What summer was that? Was that a... You guys went to Japan after that for the Japan Cup. Okay. Yeah. And so... Um... Yeah. So yeah. So Bustos running the winning the home run hitting contest, and then Trina Peel winning the I running think that contest. Two thousand two. Oh, so the so Canada actually the World Championships. Yeah, you would have been Worlds. Yes. Yeah, because I never I had never gone to a Worlds, and I was excited that I was going to get wow. on the team, and I had never been to the Worlds at that time. Okay. And I didn't get my World Championships till later on, you know. And but uh, that's the thing, like the uh, so I took it. Like it was, and and I made the best of my weekend, you know, of that one tournament that I was going to be put in. And I'm not going to lie, like it was awesome, you know, to go there, do what I had to do, but then be like done. I'm going to be real. Like I, at that point, never had a, a summer off. You know, yeah. I've been playing my whole life. And so I was like, okay, I did my thing. They saw me do what I need to do. But then I went and enjoyed myself, you know, like with my family, we went on vacation, we were out in the dunes. And I get a phone call from Coach, for actually from Ronnie Eichen. Ronnie called me up, said, Coach, want to talk to me? And I was like, for one, I was surprised that my phone even worked in the desert where I was at. I just used it because of the GPS. Sometimes you get lost in the desert, they can find you with a GPS, you know. But <laughs> I was like, dang, this worked. And I was like, okay, well, put him on the phone. He goes, oh, no, he's going to call you. I was like, you know. And so Coach called me and was like, hey, what are you doing? We need you to come with us to Japan. I was like, I thought y'all was in Japan already. He's like, no, we're not there yet. Um, I said, well, I'm in the middle of nowhere. There's no way I can get to you guys right now. Uh, But I can meet you at the airport if you guys, when you leave. Then that's what happened. The rest is history. Wow. Well, I I mean, for people that don't know, I never got a chance to see you play. Like, we always liked in a sense when Crystal got mad because (laughs) we knew that if you get her mad on one at bat, Oh my goodness, watch out the next at bat. Like it was going to be a home run, either like again, where you can't even see it anymore, or a line shot over the fence that gets out before you even turn your head. Like, I, I mean, really, I, you, you always bounced back better and stronger. And that's what I so appreciate. I think so many people need to hear that kind of stuff. 
even this whole situation. Okay. Before we get into kind of our gold standard key points, I just want to talk a little bit. You've done a lot of things, Crystal. You uh, have coached at Mount Sac at the junior college level. You played in the pro league, obviously. You've traveled the world with softball. Um, you do tons of clinics all over. Um, you have your own um, ruthless sports training, your own LLC, um, where you have how many teams now that are that are competing under the ruthless banner? We're in the forties. Okay, in the, in the 40s, 40s from all over the country, you give trainings. I know I've joined you with some of those uh, as well as other Olympians and, you know, former just superstars in softball. Um, but you also have another side of you that is very creative. You do art, you, you love, you know, you, you draw, you, um, you really have that creative side. You were just telling me you remodeled your bathroom by yourself. Tell me a little bit about that side of crystal that a lot of people maybe don't know and how, how you kind of keep everything flowing with that part of, you know, what, what you like to do. Yeah. Growing up, I've always been an artist. Like I love drawing. Um, I used to sit in front of the TV. My mom used to tell me to sit back. I was going to go blind because I was too close. Um, and I would, I would literally draw cartoons while they were on TV and try to get them close to what they look like. And then I got really good at it. And then as I got older, when I went to college, people don't know that I went to college to do art. Wow. Like, I went to college to get into animation. That was my, my goal was to draw for Disney. Like, that's all I wanted to do. That's so um, I wanted to make cartoons. And the art was there. It was just kind of boring because you have to do, like, still art first, <laughs> draw this orange, draw this chair. And it just – and then the art history part of it. I love the art history part of it. But at the same time, it just – I just wanted to draw. I just wanted to get on – and draw cartoons. Like I just wanted to go directly to the end, you know, and that's like everybody, right? We don't want to do all that other stuff. Let's just go right to the end. We don't want to practice. Yeah. We yeah. We don't want to practice. Let's just go hit, you know, <laughs> let's go hit live. But, uh, you know, so that was the thing. So I ended up changing uh, degrees and trying to go into something else, but you know, art has always been a thing for me. So growing up, um, when I had some spare time and my coach needed help, I would go work with him and he was a tile setter. And so I started off first making the mix, the mortar and the, and the grout and the thin set and all that. And then I would, you know, help him. He got me to the point where I was doing all the cuts for him because I had such a good eye and I would do everything to the T on the saw. And so I would make all the cuts mm -hmm. and then I learned how to lay it. And then, I mean, he taught me everything when it came to doing that. And I've done a few of my family's things, my own things. I just remodeled my bathroom. It took me a week. And would have cost me, you know, eight to ten thousand dollars, and it only cost me a grand, you know. So, because I did it myself, um, and it came out really nice. It's, I'm very, very pleased about it. You know, I've always been a hands-on person. I think, like I was telling my dad earlier, my grandma is, you know, a big key to that because she was like a type of person that would just go after it, and if it messed up, oh well, we just get somebody to come fix it. Like, you know, let's try to do it first. Trying, and I really yeah. think I was surrounded by such strong people. And such creative people growing up that were never afraid to go do something and fail. And if it happened, you just get somebody to come help you fix it, you know. And that's the thing. You just find a way to fix it. And I've always been free to fail. Oh, know? it's such and, a key. And, and, that, and, that, I need to stop you right there really quick because that, I believe that is a huge thing in sport. But like you're saying, everything else, it allows you to, to try new things, to get out of your comfort zone, to maybe learn a, a skill set you didn't even know you were capable of, of doing at a high level. So oh, yeah. oh I, I love that, being free to fail. People need to remember that. 
Yeah. And so, you know, growing up, that was it. So, like, I'm looking at this. I'm going to show you. So, this is a piece of my art that I did. That's she awesome. be she was a drawing that we have on shirts, and now she is a 3D model of an actual. I had this made. It's your creation. Uh, your creation. So yeah, she be she's alive. <laughs> I said she's alive. So I get to paint her, and she'll come to life when I paint her, and she'll be done. But do you see you that know, in your eye? Do you see like? Can you see something, and then you can put it to paper or you build? Yeah. So you know I. Like I said, the creativity, the art of it, like I've always been a part of that. We have a little catcher that I'll do next that, that she'll be a, a model to. Um, you know, I've, I've done, I've always done that part. And that, that's a part of me that I like. I like being creative. I like going and doing things, building things. I'll watch things on YouTube and try to build it. And, and you just go for it. The desk that I'm sitting at, I would show you, but it's a little messy right now. I built that, you know, like awesome. just everything is just. It's just trial and error, you know. You're gonna, you gotta I, be willing to do it and and fail, and then you know what, go back to the drawing board. Well, I have to say too, it makes me think about when we were in. I don't even know, was it the Dominican that we went to, yeah. and then I think in Athens, Greece, like Bussos is like Jimmy Riggin our like our the showers. showers, right? Our so showers, yeah, because we, they were <laughs> they were messed up. So we were in in Greece. And they're building these beautiful apartments that they're going to sell afterward that we all get to stay in, in the village. And it was interesting because the drain was the whole floor. It was the whole floor was flat. The shower, there was no lip to keep the water in the shower. And I was like, how is that going to drain if it does, if it just comes out? Like, so I remember somebody was taking a shower and the whole living room looked like a river and it was started going down out the door down the stairwell, and we were like, where's this water come from? Well, they had been taking a shower, not realizing all the water was coming out and not going in the drain. And so Polly is like our lifesaver. She could get anything that we need. And she, I found a water hose downstairs. We cut the water hose, the length of the shower, and I put a bead of caulking under it and glued it down two strips tall to keep the water inside the shower. And we didn't have that problem. And we did it to all of our U.S. showers. Um, <laughs> I mean, I love that. We fixed it. <laughs> multi, again, multifaceted. And, and I love this because I was recently thinking, um, and Coach talked a lot about, um, you know, how well, well we all did at um, just solving problems. And I, I started thinking, I feel like people are three things, one of three things. You're a problem seer. So you just like see the problem and talk about the problem, right? You're a problem starter, right? There's plenty of those. <laughs> we don't yeah. want to be that person. Or you're a problem solver. And that's the key. Like literally you're like, here's a problem. I'm going to fix it. What do I have to do? And it's so crucial to be like, okay, jump into action. And you were just right on that. And I, I love that. I mean, that, that's the stuff people don't see. We're in Athens, Greece. The Olympics are going on and you're in there fixing the showers. I love that. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Gold Standard Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. You can post on social media and tag at Leah20USA or use hashtag Gold Standard Podcast. Make sure you also subscribe so you get notified each week as a new episode releases. You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We appreciate your reviews as they help encourage others to listen in. Until next time, live out the gold standard and keep turning your goals into reality.